Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and Sirius XM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and Sirius XM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network. This is James Altucher, and we're about to meet my guest for the James Altucher Show. And he's a very interesting guest, Brett McKay, who started the site The Art of Manliness. The reason I'm even doing this intro is because... What I found when I opened the site and read his books and and read all the content was that this is really a a site that's advice for everybody, not just men, not just women. I was really fascinated by the kind of range and depth of all the advice in the site. I was also impressed by the fact that, hey, he chose himself. He started from scratch, built up to the point where I guess he's making close to a, a million a year in revenues and 12 million page views a month. And it's very impressive. We can all learn from a site like this, both the content of the site and how he built his business. So without further ado, here's my guest, Brett McKay, creator of The Art of Manliness. And Brett, how are you doing, first of all? Doing fantastic, James. How about yourself? Good. Where are you right now? I'm in my closet in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You know what's really funny is I'm in a closet because I live right near a train line and the only way I can have decent sound quality, I'm in a closet filled with foam so yeah. that you can't really hear the train when it passes. Yeah, that's why I moved to the closet too. My Where I had the podcast set up before, it was like right next to my neighbor's house and he had these dogs that just barked all the time and it was getting in the podcast so I had to move to the other side of the house into this closet. So See, it's it's weird. It's like... It's like in the in the let's say the last generation was radio and they have these big fancy studios and there's a big light on like no one could come in here because we're on the radio like it's like this sacred religious space and here we are now trying to do our own thing and but we have to be in closets right now. Yeah, well, it's that's it is what it is. It's pretty that, funny. That's the way you do your own thing. People I get so many emails from people saying, oh, I've got this great idea, um, but I have a full-time job, so now can you fund me because I have a great idea? No, (laughs) it really involves sitting in your closet for years, doing your thing and building up, and that's how stuff happens. Yeah, it's it's all about action. And and so, Brett, uh, you know, a couple things. I want to kind of go down a bunch of different avenues with you. First off, I love the site, The Art of Manliness, and I want to talk about how you've kind of built this up into a a decent business for yourself and for your wife, Kate. 
um, who I know is your, your partner on the site. And I also want to talk about the specific advice you often give on the site, because I sort of feel like even though the title is the art of manliness, this, the site itself, um, is really applicable. And I find the advice applicable to both men and women. Like I often share your articles with my wife, Claudia, and I say, see, this is exactly what I was talking about. And so she reads your articles and I, I notice on your Facebook uh, page or, or no, on the, on the page, which tells who Facebook likes you many women like the site. So it's, yeah. it's not like a site just for men. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We can definitely talk about that. Uh, I mean, the, the, the main impetus of the site is helping particularly men grow up well. Um, and so we talk about just stuff that you're, you know, you're supposed to learn as you're growing up so you can turn into a well, you know, adjusted functioning member of society. Um, and we just, we take some of like just basic life skills. Which by the way is really funny because what you're saying is, and this is true, women sort of know how to, how to grow up. Like they're more mature in a weird way. Like I'll tell you, uh, and then, and then I've been talking a little too much in this intro, but my very... My very first apartment that I lived in by myself where I paid the rent and paid and got electricity and bought myself some furniture, I was 41 years old. (laughs) Every other time was with the woman and she knew how to do everything. Or I lived in hotels. When I was in my 20s and and early 30s, I lived in a hotel. So not until I was 41, I lived on my own. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just it's it's something that's, I guess, unique or different between men and women. Uh, but yeah, the, when we when we talk about this stuff, we try to cater it towards male taste and like, you know, put it in a way where like guys are like, oh yeah, maybe I should do these things because uh, it will help me be attractive to women. Because like women, what? Well, you know, just like how to you know basic things like when you're in college, like how to keep a clean apartment, right? We had this one uh, post about how to make a good first impression with your apartment. So you you know you bring you're dating a girl, you're dating a woman, you bring her to your place. And a lot of guys, like, they just, it's a pit, right? And I, there's, like, this funny, like, Reddit thread um, where women came into men's apartments and they were talking about some of the, the ghastly things they saw. And this one guy didn't have toilet paper in his bathroom. And she was like, do you have toilet paper? And he's like, no, I just used the bathroom at school so I don't have to buy toilet paper. Which is actually, you know, it's that pretty, really- that's pretty, yeah, you know, that's uh, pretty frugal and I, I admire his, uh, his that that thinking but um if you want to impress the ladies you have to create a welcoming nest uh for example well well, well, now let me ask you this why don't you think it's it's reverse like why 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 don't why are why is there this difference like particularly with the apartments yeah i don't know i think guys just they they're we're, we're very focused when we get focused on something whether whatever it is, whether it's video games or business or whatever, um, we get sort of single tracked on that, and other stuff can just fall to the wayside, and we'll just do what we have to do to survive, uh, so long as we it gives us enough time and money uh, to focus on what we think is important at the time. But, but you know, you- women get focused too. Like it's not as if like I I see many women get focused on their particular activities or their entrepreneurial activities or creative activities. I don't know. Just in my experience, like my wife is like super detailed oriented. Like she like, she's always managing. She's always got the list going on. Right. Where I, I lose track of that stuff. And she's always having to remind, Hey, you need to, you know, send this email to this guy or you need to reach out. Like she does it like 
I don't know how she does it. Um, me, I'd rather think I just get lost in my own little world where I'm focusing on a certain aspect. And uh, I got my wife there uh, helping me out and keeping me on track. Now, I, I want to get into kind of like the um, I think a lot of listeners, you know, in this economy are kind of going through something where they'd like to. Uh, let's say, pursue their passion or build a business on the side or build up a, a website business, maybe very similar to how you have. So I want to get into those details. Sure. But now, actually, I'm really curious, how did you um, how did you meet your wife? Uh, we met at the University of Oklahoma at church and uh, we dated and then we got married and now so we did have you, kids. Did you know as soon as you met her, this is it, I'm going to marry this woman? Um... What did you like right, about her? Right at the moment, she's smart. Well, I liked her because she was all about like made in America apparel, um, which I was too. I was kind of in a phase where I was like the anti, you know, when you go to college, you get on these kicks. And I was like in this like anti sweatshop. Yeah, when you go to college, you have opinions. Yeah, you, ha- you get opinions, right? Um, and so, you know, we talked about how we have a love for made in America apparel. Uh, she's funny and just smart, beautiful. And, uh, I mean, it just, I just clicked. I mean, I just really, I clicked with her instant, instantly. And how, uh, how long have you been married for? We will be we, nine years. Got married in 05. And, 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 you know, she's been with you from the beginning on this website. And, you know, I work with my wife on, I, somebody told me the other day that, uh, almost every business is started with a partner. And if the guy comes in or the woman and comes into a venture capitalist and pitches the business and there's no partner, you can guarantee the spouse is the partner. So, and that's what it seems like with you. And I know with my, all of my activities, Claudia, my wife is my business partner also, which is a weird relationship. So, so what's kind of problems in your relationships have, have happened over the past nine years because you guys are not just romantic partners, but also sure. business partners. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a big challenge. And it's something weird. I've noticed that there's a lot more of like the husband wife teams, like in startups. Um, I'm seeing that more and more. That um, could be, yeah. But the, the challenge is, you know, just letting, uh, personal life bleed into business life and business life bleed into personal. I mean, it's all one and the same. And sometimes it's hard to separate maybe a dispute or disagreement you had about, you know, family or personal, something went there and bring that to the business side of things. Um, how, and, how do you resolve it? Like what's, uh, like <laughs> I just could think of myself with, with Claudia, like when we were, we just wrote a book together and, it was the first time we were writing something together where, you know, my voice and her voice intermingled yeah. and it was complicated to, to sure. figure that out. Ultimately, we solved it by going on a silent retreat so we couldn't speak to each other while we <laughs> each wrote our sections of the book. Yeah, I mean, that that's actually a, a good idea. I mean, one thing is like assigning, you know, delegating tasks and roles, right? Having clear defined uh, assignments and roles helps out a lot. Because then there's like no like toe stepping, right? There's like none of these like unspoken assumptions like, oh, that was my thing. Why are you doing that? So like your tactic that you did with your wife is a great example of that, right? So you guys did things separately. You had, you know, predefined um, tasks and roles in that book and you did your thing. Um, so I think that helps out a lot. And that's something you just sort of develop. I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of we never really, really been deliberate, like sit down. OK, you know, this is what we're going to do. But um, when we've had those moments where it's like, okay, we need to, we need to talk here where things are sent kind of getting, there's a breakdown here. 
uh, that's when we, when I sit down, we, we, and we establish like, okay, this is what you're going to be in charge of. This is what I'm going to be in charge of. And then we ask each other, how can we help each other on our different delegated roles? You know, there's this notion in relationships of splitting the difference. So yeah. for instance, if one person's a little cleaner than the other, then what happens in the relationship is that the slightly messier one becomes a hundred percent messy and the slightly cleaner one becomes a hundred percent responsibility for the cleanliness of the house. And, yeah. and you mentioned earlier, um, Kate is more detail oriented. Do you ever find that you split the difference on this where you give her all of the details and all of the scheduling and you do your, you know, the content or design yeah, or whatever, yeah. whatever it is. Do you that, ever find there's a problem there? That happens sometimes when, if you're not like, um, I guess intentional or deliberate like that, you can slip into that easily. Um, so yeah, it's something you gotta, you gotta be aware of for Does sure. Does she call you on that? Like, don't make me do all the scheduling. No, I mean, she'll, she'll just, you know, a gentle reminder. She's not, she, we don't get, we try to like not get angry about things and just talk to each other rationally. But you know, that's not to say we don't argue and have those like debates and yelling fights, but, uh, we, we try not to do that. And when it does happen, like we resolve it really quickly. We just start like laughing about how ridiculous, like what this is. I can't believe we're actually arguing about this because it's dumb. Um, and then we just move on. That's good. So I, think, I think, I think having a sense of humor, uh, is vital and essential, uh, for working with your spouse. Cause if you don't, I, I, you're, you're going to go nuts. I think that's key. So l let me give you one, one trick. You could, tr you could try this and tell me if it works, if you've never done it. So you wake up earlier than her and I don't know if you guys drink coffee in the morning or whatever, but dress in a tuxedo and be waiting for her with like a tray of coffee and cookies or whatever, uh, in a tuxedo at like five 30 in the morning. Five thirty. In the, well, if I did that at five thirty in the morning, my wife would throw a pillow at me because I'm like the early bird and she's the night owl. So um, I see. Yeah, if I woke up at five thirty, that would not not be good. But yeah, I, mean, I think there's something too um, in any relationship where both spouses, the husband and the wife, or whatever your arrangement is. Um, I mean, you should just like serve. You should like seek to serve each other and try to make each other's day better. Um, there's like this notion in relationships nowadays, like everything's got to be 50, 50, like this sort of tit for tat thing. Like if you do this, then I'll do that. And if you don't do that, well, I'm not going to do anything for you. Um, you know, if you, that's, that's like a business transaction, like that you can't treat a personal relationship like that. And you should just look for opportunities to serve, serve your spouse. That's a really good piece of advice. Seek to serve each other. So yeah. don't make it like a math equation, just like how today can I serve my spouse? Yeah, without expecting anything in return, right? So, 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 okay. So let's 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 talk about the business today and then where it started. So, sure. so the art of manliness, the site, you sell stuff, there's podcast, there's all sorts of things going on. What's to, give me an outline of the business where you're at right now. Sure. So uh, the primary, I think, thing going on in the art of manliness is our content on our main site, artofmanliness.com. Um, where we publish something uh, it, four days a week, at least four days a week, and sometimes five. Uh, but so we we publish content on a variety of topics. It's basically your it's a men's lifestyle site similar to Esquire or Men's Health, uh, with less of an emphasis on six pack abs and sex tips that you often see in those sort of uh, men's lifestyle publications. 
You see, uh, really, you see almost none of that in your site, actually. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's it's an oddly respectful site in the manosphere. Well, I mean, it's it's why I started the site in the first place. I was like reading, you know, I was like when I was in law school, I was at Borders one night looking at the men's magazine. It's something I always do. I used to subscribe to Men's Health. I you know go to Borders and just get all the men's magazines and flip through them. And you know, like it, I just found like I was like re- not relating to the content anymore. Just didn't just didn't relate. I didn't relate to it, right? I was married, and a lot of the content in the men's magazines and like men's websites are like geared towards like young single guys. And uh, you know, a lot of it was like sex tips, right? Like you know, how to have sex for five hours or whatever. And these, you know, it's just like I enjoy sex. Sex is fantastic. It's a great part of being a man um, and for a woman. But it's like it's not the only part of life, right? No, and, and also a lot of the advice on the site, honestly, is for men and women. Like the pro, you, you know, when we'll talk about some of these later. But like how to follow up after a meeting, sure. Um, how to be, how to have integrity in your life, uh, how to explain failure in a meeting, the problem with minimalism. So, so I feel like a lot of your best content is good for both. But I understand, you know, you needed kind of an umbrella, and I appreciate you know, like the, the grooming and, and, uh, all these other sections of your site that do gear towards man. And and it's almost like a little bit, uh, the old fashioned man. Like you have this quote, uh, every generation revolts against its fathers and makes friends with its grandfathers, which unfortunately for me might make me a child molester, but that's another (laughs) story. But, uh, uh, but it's kind of an old fashioned, nice, way of looking at it but yeah. okay so 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 give me the 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 basic metrics like how do you how do you measure your site sure so like page views um is key for us because we're primarily um make our revenue from advertising um so right Which now is also old-fashioned like not that many blogs out there make their revenues primarily from advertising yeah yeah we that's something we started out with and it worked for us um so right now we get about 12 million page views a month um, and, um, so that's the big metric for us. Always trying to increase page views, but then also social engagement's big for us. Um, we've over the years have been able to acquire a very active and, and engaged Facebook fan page. So it's like over 500,000 Facebook fans. A lot of them, again, both men and women. I couldn't yeah. figure out who was but more. Here's the, what's interesting is that there's a lot of women who read the site that sort of like their moms, they're single. There's a lot of single moms who read the site. And they use the art of manliness as sort of like a way to figure out how to raise their son because they don't have, they don't ah, have that. That's in their fascinating. Um, so that we get a lot of letters from single moms who are like they they appreciate the content that they're putting out there because it's helping them raise their son. Actually, uh, though, I you know it's funny. It's good for single moms, but it's also good for any parents because again, like I said, I didn't have my own apartment until I was forty-one years old. Like I could have used this site when I was twenty. <laughs> And maybe yeah. I would have I would have learned a thing or two. Well, I mean, it's funny. Like I've I've learned a lot just writing the content. Um, you know, I'm not an. I mean, I don't put myself out there as like this expert in you know being well adjusted or being a man or whatever. Um, I, you know, a lot of this site is my opportunity to just explore these things and try to figure out and learn, and then I just share what I've learned along the way. Um, so, so twelve okay. million page views a month. Yeah. Um, plus, uh, you sell some stuff. You have advertising. Can you can you tell me like the roughly the revenues per year? Uh, s- high six figures. Okay, year. that's great. Congratulations. That's a very good site. And yeah, how yeah. many years did it take to build up to that? Um, let's see, probably started in two thousand eight. Took 
four years. No, no, longer than that, five years. Yeah, and I actually think I, I wrote a, an article once, um, The Ultimate Guide to Reinventing Yourself, and my thing was is that it does take four or five years of life change before you really start seeing abundant fruits from it. Um, yeah. and so, so, you know, so that's where you're, you're are right now, but like, how did it, how did you first start building the traffic? How did you get the word out? How did you, you know, I'm assuming you were doing the writing every day sure. or Kate was writing. Yeah. It was, well, so when I started the site in 2008, I was a second year law student at the university of Tulsa and it was just something to do for fun. It was going to be a hobby. I didn't see it as a business. Um, my plan was to become an attorney and that had been my and plan since high school. Ultimately, many of the best businesses start off where the guys did not want it to be a business. Google being a great example. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed law. Um, I was, I, I, I really did, but then I started the site and it just like, it took off. Like I didn't think it was going to, I didn't, I just thought my friends and family would read it, but, uh, somehow other people found it and how? they started, I don't, okay. So I'm not sure. So here's how the traffic really just launched off. Uh, so in 08, this was like when dig uh, was the king of the internet. Right. If you got your story on the top on the homepage of Dig, like you would just get just a butt, you know, a buttload of traffic. Um, and so what happened was I was in I, I can actually remember the day I was in Will's Estates and Trust um, class. And I, you know, when you're in law school, when I was in class, I wasn't really paying attention all that all the, often all that time. And I was like surfing and working on my blog. And I realized suddenly I saw that my site like crashed and I was like, what the heck's going on here? And then I checked the analytics and I saw that I was getting all this traffic from Dig. I was like, oh my gosh, I got crashed by Dig. And so I mean, I was frantically working to um, figure out what was going on. And what happened was the very first article that I wrote called How to Shave Like Your Grandpa, which is about safety razor shaving and using the brush and uh, yada, yada. Um, I love it. I don't even use a brush for it, shaving and I'm constantly cutting myself. You should try it. It's fantastic. It makes the experience all the more enjoyable. Um, anyways, that someone submitted that to dig and it got on the home page on the front page of dig. And then from there, like delicious picked it up. That was when delicious, like would send you a lot of traffic and then Reddit yeah, picked it up. Old school, delicious dig. Yeah. This was like old school. So that's like at that point I got, I was on the radar and, um, people just started submitting my content to these social media sites and just started sharing it. And, um, that's, that's how it happened. That's how I got the, the word out about the site. And it, okay, let's say someone was okay. doing something equivalent now. Yeah. What do you suggest they would do? Man, that's that's a tough one um, because those sites don't – they're not around anymore. Um, I mean one thing that I think is very uh, – it's helped a lot of people that um, we've worked with is guest posting on a blog that's in your, your, your niche and, um, and write something fantastic for them and then um, – I agree with that. I tell – I tell people that all the time. I think it's the best advice because I actually think the era of the individual blog site is coming to an end. Like it's yeah. all about these sites, even like your own, where you 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 have a multiple contributors, yeah. and that's where how how individual writers can build their individual brand and potentially direct traffic back to other sites. Yeah, I mean it's a lot like uh, any other form of uh, communication. Like the same sort of thing happened with radio. Uh, and, and particularly radio, when there's all these different like radio stations and like movie studios, all these different movie studios, and at the very beginning, and then slowly through time, they all sort of it they formed together, right? There was like no you can no longer have this sort of 
it was like no more like freewheeling um, content creation going on. And I, I'm seeing you're seeing that now on the internet. Um, but yeah, we've had guest contributors. Uh, you know, one guy, an example, uh, his name's Creek Stewart. He's like a survival expert. Um, he wrote this guest post for us. It was just a lot of fun. It was like how to build a zombie apocalypse survival shotgun. And you can check that on the site. It's just a really fun. He was, he was, he wanted to see like how many survival accoutrements he could put on a shotgun. Um, so there's like flashlights and knives and like a saw. I mean, it's just, it's, it's Did pretty he build cool. it himself. Yeah. He built it himself. And it, the thing went viral. It was, people just it blew up. And um, can, can you buy his gun? Not that. Um... No, 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 no. You can't buy, buy his gun. I mean, he gives you the instructions like and all the things you could buy to make this gun. Um, but it's just really fun. And it just resonated with our readers. And that was like when zombies were really big and really popular. Um, but, you know, since he's become a regular contributor for our site and, you know, he's gotten a book deal. Um, to, he's written, you know, uh, and it was because he says it was because of that post. Like he, he was, a publisher reached out and saw that post and like, we want to, we want you to write a book. He's written some other, um, books and he then, should, be, he should he, build a, uh, an email list because the survivalist well, email, yeah, lists, yeah. those make a ton of money. Yeah. Well, he, when he, he's, and it's amazing to see him, like what he's done, um, with his business before he was just a instructor, right? He, people would come to him and, um, they would go to his classes in Indiana, but now he's got. He's got an, an e-commerce store. He has like this thing called the Apaca Box, where it's like the subscription service things, where you get a box sent to you once a month. And but and this one, it's like full of survival stuff. I love um, that. He's, he's also uh, this. I think it's this weekend, actually, this Saturday. Uh, he has a show on the Weather Channel called uh, Fat Guys in the Wilderness, and it's basically <laughs> he takes three fat guys out into the wild and helps them survive. And the, the whole idea is like help these guys see that well, if they can survive you know, three days or four days and just the bitter cold winter uh, with nothing but them, their bare hands, then they can do whatever they want with their life, you know, lose weight or whatever. So, so, so let me ask you, do you take a piece of his business? Like you basically helped kind of I, establish no. him. No, I mean, I got great content. That's all I'm looking. I mean, right. that's, that's what I want. I, I just want, I just want awesome content for my readers. And um, I mean, he, he and I, just, I, I love seeing people have success like that. Um, and you know, if we, I, and it's all, I can't take, cre I can't take credit for it. I mean, cause like he writes great stuff. It's awesome stuff. He knows his stuff. He does a great job presenting it. Uh, what's great about him too. He's like, he's a survival guy, but he's not like weird about it. Right. He's very, it's very approachable. He makes it very approachable for the, just the average person. And it's not, uh, necessarily geared towards the people who are, you know, building bunkers in the middle of nowhere. Um, right. he wants, he wants everyone to, you know, be prepared for whatever may happen. Um, and so, I mean, it's just, you know, we were able to get in front of a, a big sized audience. And from there, like he, he did it all, man. Like he, he was very savvy and he ran with it and he hustled. And so, just, so this is a great example where he had, uh, a, a, an, ex, uh, an area where he was an expert. He had an area of expertise. He guest blogged on your site, uh, and probably other sites, but the post on your site went went viral. Maybe it did on other sites as well. He built up uh, probably a brand for himself and a landing page for himself where he was able to collect emails. And now he's able to sell his own stuff across mm -hmm. his email list and, and still a, contribute to yeah. all these other sites. Yeah, and he's got a TV show. He's got books. He's got a TV show. So he's got a business. So for all we know, he's making high six figures as well. Like this is how he built his business. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, he doing guest posts and like the thing when I when I tell people and they like you hear this a lot in the blogosphere, right? Like, yeah, you know, you need to, you need to do guest posts. Um, and 
I used to have like an open submission form where people could just like submit stuff. Uh, Cause I understand how it is. Like I remember like one at the very beginning when I was trying to get the word out about the site, I was just ecstatic when, you know, so a, a site that was you know, a big site would like publish something that I wrote. Um, but what I found was like a lot of the stuff, like 99% of it was just crap. Uh, it was just people who were, all they wanted is they, they wanted that link on the art of manliness. They wanted, huh. and it was just like, you know, they, they could tell they didn't really, really read the site. Um, they didn't really get what we were going for. And they just sort of send, send in this sort of like, they just kind of, you can tell they phoned it in because there's like spelling errors, grammatical errors. Um, and it was just not formatted. And it's just like, it was like short. It was just like, I read it and be like, what, you know, cause like one thing we pride ourselves on is like being very thorough and in depth with our content. I mean, most of our minimum word count on posts is either 1800 to 2000 words. Cause we yeah. write something like I want it to be the most thorough in-depth thing there is. Um, and people would send this thing was like 400 words long. And I'm like, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't get anything from this. So like when people guest post, um, I always recommend like, you got to give your best to them. Um, and you know, like, the, the, the challenge is on now. I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to write a guest post for the art of manliness. Whether you take it or not, I want you to like it. Like I'll, I'll try to write a good one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate that, but like, I, that's what I want to, if you, um, that's the advice I'd give. Like if you want a guest post for someone, like that's like, uh, you know, give them your best content. And what I loved about Creek was he made it so easy for me. He wrote this thing that like it fit in with our audience and sort of the, it was fun yet at the same time informative. He also had all the pictures like ready and taken and, and you know, formatted. And all I had to do was just copy and paste it and put it into word, into WordPress. That, that's so key. Like you can't, you can't rely on, and I'm not saying whether you're a good editor or a bad editor, this is more advice for uh, people who want to guest blog, make it. And this is, this is in general advice for people who ask things Make it easy for yeah. the other side to say yes. Do ninety-five yeah. percent of the work for them, so it becomes easy for them to say yes. Yeah, that's that's a, that's that advice is key. And and besides just like guest posting, the other way you can apply that is like when you approach someone, uh, and you're asking for something. Like be specific on what you want. I get so many emails where they're like, "Hey, um, Brett, I'd love to partner with you," and that would be the email. It's like, "Can you shoot me an email? We maybe set up a phone call." And I'm like, okay, what is it that you do, right? Like, you know, and I, I used to, or I used to, you know, because I, I like to help people and I used to be like, okay, sure, let's talk. You know, maybe, maybe something we could do, I can help you, you can help me. And, you know, nine times out of 10, it was just like, it was not a good fit at all. Um, and Well, well just, you know, that's very interesting. That it was nine times out of 10. I bet you actually the ratio was even higher that it wasn't helpful <laughs> at all. Because I'll tell you, I, I was getting so many of those that I now outsource almost all of my email. So I have someone go through it and determine if something looks interesting that they'll go through the first filter. And I actually almost get nothing. So yeah. what, uh, e even like, you know, oh, can we have you speak here or do this or do that or post here? Uh, I get almost none of it because most most things are not useful. And, mo and most people don't know how to ask like yeah. the art of asking i'm gonna say that's equivalent to the art of manliness like people have forgotten how to do it yeah we actually wrote a post something you know, similar to that you know speaking of emails like there was a a point because like it's just like it's me and my wife are doing the prime you know and then we also have um an editor in denver colorado 
um, who helps us on some administrative things. So, but it's like, it's the three of us handling a lot of the stuff. And I used to have a contact form, right? Like every website has a contact form where you can send an email and blah, blah, blah. And that thing, my email just inbox was just out of control every day. And I found that I was spending most of my time in that inbox trying to answer all these inquiries and, you know, pitches and people wanting to do this and yeah, whatever, or just complaints, right? Someone who just didn't like what I write and they want to send me an email telling me how I suck. Um, so what I did, I was like, you know, most of these, I, I found that most of these emails I was getting, there's like that nothing came from them, right? I can like count on my, you know, my 10 fingers where I got an email where it, it, it changed my life or it improved the business. Um, and so what I decided to do was I got rid of the contact form and I put a, my PO box address on there. Oh, that's great. Idea. And so, um, people have to write me a letter and it kind of works out because we, we want, you know, the, the whole old time manliness thing that we had. Yeah. Again, like, old fashioned, the, the, the write a hand, you know, right hand, write a letter. And what I found was just that small barrier of getting people to get a piece of paper, write it out get a stamp, mail it, go to the post, you know, the mailbox that's, you know, just outside their house. Like if someone's like pissed off or angry or upset with something that I wrote, they didn't, then, you know, by the time they go through all that, they're just like, nah, it's not worth it. But like with email, like, you know, electronic communications, like it allows people to act on their, like just those emotions as fast as they can. Right. Like they, if they're angry, I'm going to tell the whole world through Twitter, right? That I'm angry or I'm going to email this guy and tell him, I, I think he sucks. Um, but like emotions are fleeting. So if you, you put a barrier between if for people, you know, where they, they have that, you know, very visceral reaction till they actually have to do it. Like nine times out of 10, they're just gonna be like, okay, this is not worth it. And what's funny is that the mail I get in that PO box, it's all thank you letters. They're just like, thank you letters, you know, telling people telling me how, the art of manliness has helped them in some way. Um, I've never gotten like those angry emails that I used to get where people were just like, I hate you. You suck. I can't believe, you know, this is what you stand for. I mean, just like crazy stuff. Uh, I don't get that in the mailbox. Now that, nice. I, uh, now that I've said that, someone will probably write an angry Yeah, email. now they're all like, I, I'm going to show like, you. They're uh, writing like crayon. They're breaking out yeah. their crayons and writing like these doing, weird cryptic letters. Doing the mag, cutting out magazine letters and, you know, yeah. making those weird... <laughs> Do, they, do people still do that? Like, you know, you know like how they I, used to do ransom letters. Are like, you asking me like I'm an expert? Like I, I don't know. know the maybe you that. might know. Maybe, I don't know. You live in New York City, right? Yeah, I just got I got three today. Like all magazine letters and an I in the middle. Like that, a note. That'd be, I wonder if like the internet has made that obsolete. That'd be funny if that was the case. But anyways, yeah. yeah so uh, yeah, the magazine <laughs> thing. But uh, yeah, uh, that's one thing that I've done to... Um, help manage my day-to-day -day. that's smart yeah so, so write a letter i find that a lot of the articles are extremely intelligent so uh, and i i don't mean this like oh i expected it to be like idiotic but you, the art the articles are actually again that's why i almost feel like it's it's not necessarily about manliness a lot of a big part of the site is about uh you you know trying to understand and having a, a very almost contrary opinion about many different issues. Like I loved your um, article on the problem with minimalism because a lot of people are out there saying, oh, let's throw out everything and be minimalist. But you point out that 
uh, it's easier for a rich person to have no belongings than for a poor person. And maybe can, can you explain that a little bit? It really was a fascinating uh, look at it. Yeah. So, you know, that's minimalism is like it's like trendy right now. And what's funny, the people who often become minimalists and like write about minimalism, talk, you know, refer to themselves as, min- as minimalists, like they're guys who made it rich in Silicon Valley. Right. They have a billion dollars and they're like, oh, I'm going to be a minimalist. Um, and that's easy, right? Cause like if you have lots of money, you don't need lots of stuff in your house. Cause you can just buy that stuff. Right. If you, when you need it. So right, like a, a classic example is when you travel, you actually don't need any luggage because you could have someone meet you there with like a whole wardrobe that you yeah, paid for. Yeah. It's, or like, or even like just like something, something simple as your dock kit, right? Like, Oh, you don't need to buy like toothpaste and shampoo. Uh, just buy it when you get there. And yeah, maybe it is, maybe it is cost, you know, a normal person going to do that. But like when you are, you know, when you have a budget and like, you're going to bring your own toothpaste, no matter what, like, you're not just going to, that might not be an option for you. Like like computers, like if you're, if you're rich, instead of having like the big clunky laptop, uh, you'll have the MacBook Air and an iPhone, you know, slightly more expensive, but a few millimeters uh, thinner few millimeters thinner and it's like it's this it's this whole idea of like when you don't have much money you hold on to stuff um as sort of um commodities to help you out you see this a lot with like um people who live through the great depression a lot of those people they're like they're pack they're, they're pack rats right they just hold on to stuff and not talking like hoarders like crazy hoarders but they hold on to stuff because they grew up in a time where you held on to stuff because you could use that in the future, right? Um, you might not know what you could use it for, but because you don't have cash on hand, you needed stuff. If you need stuff you can get on your hand that you could use, you kept it. Um, so like my, my grandpa is a great example of that. I think a lot of people's grandparents were like that. Like he kept like weird stuff, but he ended up using it somehow. He found a way to use whatever he had around the house. And I know ne- he never had to go to like home Depot, um, to pick up screws or wood because like he had that stuff in his barn. And he could just go there. If he needed that, he'd go there. Like he had his own lumber shop in his barn uh, that he acquired over time. So yeah, when you're a minimalist, like you, you don't need to do that because you can just, you have cash and you can go spend whatever it is that you're on. Another thing we talked about in that minimalism post is that, you know, minimalism is all about, you know, getting stuff out of your life. Right. That's like the thing. Like, but what's funny is that minimalism still often, oftentimes makes your life makes your life's focus on stuff because you're just concerned about getting rid of, you want to get down to that, those 100 items, right? There's like that challenge. Like you only can only own a hundred items in your, in your whole possession. Right. Um, so you're like, you just become obsessed with what stuff leaves and like what stuff you keep. And you see this oftentimes on some minimal minimalism blogs where it's like, there's like this fetishization of like stuff where they, they take pictures like very artsy pictures of like just the things they own. It's like, here's my MacBook and I love this MacBook and here's my notebook. And I love that. This is my notebook that I, you know, and this is my favorite pen. And like, they just like, you can tell like they're really. You're invested. totally right. It's a, it's a, it's a fetish of stuff. Yeah. Minimalism. Yeah. I love it. So, I mean, what, um, what and, we, and again, though, that's not uh manliness or femaleness. It's, it, it's actually like a real intelligent general, discussion about a trend on the internet. Commentary. Yeah. And oftentimes, yeah, we'll do that. We'll just, if there's something I've been thinking about, just riff on it. And that's not to say that you shouldn't like become this hoarder or pack rat and just like bring it by as much stuff. Like you don't want to go to the extreme side of materialism. Um, but it's just having, you know, 
like for example, you know, we could, my wife and I could afford two cars, but we only have one car because we like having one car and you know, there's no need for us to have two cars since we both work from home. But like what we advocate is just like a little bit of self-awareness um, about, you know, what could happen if you go down this like minimalist route and just moderating it a bit. And, you know, if you see yourself getting kind of in that, that, that bonkers, you know, side of minimalism that can happen if you're not careful, then back off and be like, okay, I need to reevaluate what I'm doing here. Uh, we always, you know, we, we always, um, approach minimalism again we try not to fetishize it, uh, but our philosophy is to buy experiences rather than goods. So we would rather take a, a, a trip where we're going to have an experience rather than buy the latest computer. Although, you know, right now I'm probably, I'm on, I am on a MacBook Air right now, but <laughs> it's not like I have a big desktop computer. I just use my MacBook Air and I take it everywhere with me. Sure. But, um, so, so we try not to kind of, we, we try not, we, we sort of live far from any store and we, we focus on what our next experience could be that we, that we pay for. Well, they, that, they, that helps us out. Yeah. The, well, the studies show that, that, that actually makes you happier uh, when you we are very happy. spend your money on experiences because it gives you memories, right? Yeah. And, you, and the, you can hold on to that. And, you know, I found, you know, so I, I have two children, uh, 15 years old and 12 years old. I found that in terms of, um, you know, parenting that if I buy them experiences rather than let's say, you know, the latest goods or whatever that they want, that, that, that they will remember these fond memories of me rather than that. I bought them a necklace or a piece yeah. of clothing or whatever. Now, of course they need a new wardrobe every year, but, uh, uh, you know, I still, I, we plan a lot. We plan a year ahead, like different experiences we could, we could buy for them. Um, you know, like vacations coming up and so on. But there's another article I want to talk about, which again is not necessarily about manliness, but I sort of feel like I need your advice on it because it's it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. And in fact, um, Nassim Taleb at some point is going to come on uh, my podcast. But you have an article called uh, Two is One and One is None, How Redundancies Increase Your Anti-Fragility. And I, Anti-Fragile is a book by uh, Nassim Taleb and I really think the concept he he applies it a lot to the financial world, but I really think the concept could be applied to many aspects of life. And maybe you can explain a little bit that article, and then I will tell you my dilemma that I'm facing. Sure. So yeah, I'm uh, anti-fragile. I, I read that book last year. Actually, I read it twice because I enjoyed it so much. And it's I got a great so much book. Out of it. It's a great book. And like, I'm not in the financial. Um, I, I I mean, I I invest my money and index funds. And that's about it. Um, so a lot of the things that he was talking about in terms of the financial industry, like didn't really apply to me, but it was interesting to know because they gave a good application, um, of his principles that he lays out in, um, anti-fragile. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like the principles he lays out, they apply to so many other areas of life. So like for, you know, the listeners who don't know, uh, you know, he defines things as you can be either fragile, which breaks or fall, you know, which breaks during disruption or randomness, uh, resilient, which stays the same um, during randomness or disruption, or anti-fragile, which actually grows uh, with randomness. It so, actually, like, give it, give an example of something that's fragile. Well, Talib gives the example of like a teacup, right? Like, if it gets if a table gets knocked and the teacup falls off the table and hits the table, it's going to break, right? There's that It'll disruption. Break and you can never put it back together. Like, it's over. yeah, it's over. Um, something that's resilient. Um, I guess, like. 
you can be like a person can be resilient, right? Uh, that's all kind of the idea of uh, stoicism. Like when you face these um, challenges in life, um, you remain calm and collected inside your inner citadel, as Marcus Aurelius would say, um, and you don't you're not disturbed by the changes and randomness going on outside you. Um, something that's anti-fragile, kind of a just a kind of a practical application of that, not in the finance. Uh, particularly, but uh, like your body is anti-fragile in a lot of ways. And Talib talks about this, where your body actually needs stress to grow and to thrive and to prosper. So for example, your bones, right? Um, your bones need to experience the stress of gravity to maintain their strength and to get stronger. Uh, and if you, that's why when astronauts go into outer space where they experience zero G, when they come back, their bone density goes down. It's gone down. Uh, bicyclists have the same problem too, because they're on those pedals. Like they're not experiencing the force of gravity that much on their legs. So their, um, leg bones are often weaker than people who run all the time. So yeah, that's a great, that's a great example of antifragility where there's like a stress and, um, your body gets stronger from that. So, so, and how can, based on your article, how would you suggest using the concept of antifragility to improve your life? Well, I mean, you just look for ways that you can become anti-fragile and you have to apply the principles that Taleb uh, uh, lays out in his book. So, um, so one of them is, you know, redundancies is something he talked about. Uh, and this is a principle from engineering where you build in redundancies into a, a bridge or a car or whatever it is so that if one part fails, the thing can keep going, Right. Um, and that's a form of resilience, but he makes the case that in some instances, redundancies can actually make you anti-fragile and you can exploit um, randomness with those um, redundancies. So here's an example um, that's very applicable to anyone is just having extra cash in the bank, like an emergency fund or um, just like a fund that you can use to like capital, right? If you're sitting on a big pile of cash and an opportunity, like a random opportunity comes to you, um, you can use that redundancy of extra cash because like, you know, that's a re you know, having extra cash is a redundancy um, to exploit that opportunity. Or, um, or, by the way, the flip side, you could say, look, I already have extra cash. I don't need to waste more time and energy going down the path of exploring this opportunity. Yeah, what's well, called like what they call FU money. Like, I don't need I don't need to do this because I already have this cash. Well, well, but, but it's interesting because some people are addicted to having more money. So yeah. I know, you know, I know of at least one billionaire who's upset at another billionaire because he's got more billions than him. So, <laughs> so, you know, you could kind of train yourself if you have like uh, enough cash just to, yeah. you know, do what you want to do in life and be creative and be fulfilled and so on. You don't need to explore always that next opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And that's and anti-fragility as well. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. But here's um, he, here's okay, so here's your... the problem I have, and and this is this scares me. And I even talked to my wife about this. I feel like I feel like women are anti fragile in terms of their health because women, um, and and this is a big difference, obviously, between men and women. Women menstruate, for instance, so that every month that it's like they, uh, you know, they have their their period, and I, I find in general that women could deal with going to the doctor more. They, they go to a lot more doctors. And uh, I've never been to a doctor. I've never been to the hospital. I, I rarely, I, I haven't been sick in like five years. I rarely get sick at all. 
I'm really worried that once I really get sick, I'm just going to die <laughs> because <laughs> because I didn't have not built up my anti-fragility. And I feel most people have like I see Claudia. She's definitely anti-fragile. So like she takes care of herself very well, but she goes to lots of doctors and, and you know, does yoga uh, every day and really. Uh, but she also gets sick and, and deals with it and rolls with it. Me. As soon as I get like a cough, I think I'm about to die. So I feel like psychologically and physically, once I get like a real sickness, anybody else would just say, oh, I'll just go to the doctor and take some pills. Me, I'm going to either panic or die. Well, I, I mean, if you haven't had to go to the doctor or the hospital, like that's you should take that as a good sign. Like, you don't. Need I know to I should be grateful for it, but, be grateful. Not, but I'm scared when I read anti-fragile, I got scared. Well, yeah, because I mean, you, yeah, it could be because he talks about how um if you there's like that that via negativa principle right like where if you go to the doctor sometimes doctors do things that I think will help you but actually hurt you right because they don't know like because they feel like they have to do something right oh yeah doctors are evil i'm I, I wrote about this actually as a guest post on crack.com but uh and the guy the editor of crack.com didn't even want to publish it because his wife was a, a doctor <laughs> but like People die by going to the doctor. Like, d doctor mistakes account for 100,000 deaths a year in the U.S., and that was just one point I was making among many. Yeah. It's also the profession with the highest suicide rate. It's 26% of doctors report some form of alcohol abuse. Like, doctors are scary. Yeah. So, but I, I don't know. I think you're fine. I mean, as long as you don't have to go to the doctor. I mean, I think you just need to work on your stoicism a bit, you know, getting your inner, build up that inner citadel and uh, just not worry about it. But there's kind of a point between like men and women, the difference between men and women and sort of their antifragility. Um, we do know that, for example, it'd be like men, women are actually more robust. Um, even since like the embryonic stage, there's usually more, there's like, how's it, what's it worked out? Like men or boy fetuses often abort naturally on or sporadically on a more common occurrence than say female um, zygotes or whatever. The, the re, their pain response between boys and women or boys and girls is different at a at a younger age as even as children um, we do know that testosterone uh, actually weakens your immunity system so now you tell me so you know but that, this is kind of interesting I should too. have been born a woman <laughs> no there's there's definitely a lot of advantage to being born a man this is kind of interesting too I've been doing a lot of research on testosterone and they found that um, in hunter-gatherer societies, the men have lower testosterone levels than, say, a man living in an urban area. And the thinking goes, the reason that is, is because in a hunter-gatherer society, it's more important to have a robust immunity system than having super high, jacked-up testosterone levels. I mean, they still have plenty of testosterone to make them man and make them, make them strong and give them those defining characteristics of masculinity, um, but it's lower than, say, uh, if you compare it to some guy living in New York City. Uh, because those hunter-gatherer societies, they they need they need a stronger immunity system, so they have a lower testosterone level. Well, it's um, interesting too. In hunter-gatherer societies, there's some evidence that um, people have larger brains because now in our society, everybody is honed in on their specific tasks in life. Whereas in hunter-gatherer societies, people had many tasks. Like you had to be completely aware of all the food, potential predators everything in like a two or three square mile radius and you kind of had to know and keep in your head a lot more information now we just like oh, i'm gonna google like herpes and figure <laughs> out what's going on and uh you know you didn't have to you had to be smarter back then yeah you had to be a generalist for sure so so 
another uh and again i love the, these articles because and, and this is why i highly recommend your site because it's not like i feel this is for men this is for women this is for anybody but i love the design i love that old-fashioned like art of manliness style to it but another article and and really series of articles you talk about which i think is so important and i and th this is where your blog really intersects with my blog you talk about the importance of integrity and how personal integrity is so linked to societal integrity and it's really linked to to happiness and may, maybe you know talk about that a little bit and and the reason i'm kind of going through this is because i sort of feel like your blog is almost like the art of advice rather than the art of manliness now and and again i know there's a lot of stuff on your site related to just manliness but there's so much just good advice here that i think people should should go for it's a it's a it's a great site um but yeah talk about integrity and what your your views on that are and, and where you got them yeah. So, I mean, that's something we've talked about a lot on the site. And the reason that is, and we've related to manliness, I mean, here's the you know, the, the manliness connection, is that um, when I, I've always, I'm a classics and letters major. So I studied like ancient philosophy and Latin. What's a letters major mean? So, yeah, that's the, so like letters is actually the oldest degree, I think, in the Western world. Like that was like the degree you could get. And I think at the University of Oklahoma, they offer a, offer a letters degree. So basically it's like, it's a humanities degree. Um, at its core. So you study, I had to study Latin. I had to study uh, ancient philosophy and literature and what else? History. And then like some other stuff. So it became like a well-rounded, basically it's, it's the degree you take. Uh, the only thing you do with it is go to law school, but, or start a blog called the art of manliness. But what I found was that they were using manliness or manly in like a different way that I was accustomed to as a 20th century man and for them, for the ancients, um, ancient Greeks, ancient Romans, and even up until, you know, the late 19th century, manliness meant being a man, like you had to be strong and courageous, right? That was like, you had to be masculine, but manliness meant being a person or a man of virtue, right? So it meant developing temperance. It meant developing, um, it, you know, resolution It meant developing, uh, courage, both, you know, not just physical and martial courage, but also moral and intellectual courage and be able to stand up for your beliefs or a cause. Um, and a man who developed these virtues was given the title of man. Like, you know, you weren't, you weren't, you're not just born a man in ancient Rome or ancient Greece. Um, you had to become one and that was through virtuous living. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of like a big, been a big theme on like kind of resurrecting this idea of, you know, ancient manliness, right? This classical idea of manliness. So, yeah, we talk about, um, you know, living virtuous and in the sense of like the, you know, Aristotelian virtue, right? Um, not, I mean, you throw on the word virtue and people get all like they grimace and like, oh, it's like church lady stuff. But no, it's like we're trying to bring back this idea of, just being a good, like living the good life and developing this well-rounded um, person um, in yourself and doing it in a, you know, masculine way. Uh, and, and, and it starts off, it starts off in a very small way. It's like, like you basically counsel, don't steal the paper clips in the office because from there yeah. it just gets bigger and bigger. Well, yeah, that was, a, that was an article we wrote, uh, wrote uh, last year, and we shared it from the archives recently, about um, just how we uh, justify uh, mistakes or moral um, peccadillos that we commit. Uh, because, yeah, once you, you go down that path, it, it's easier to do it, you know, to go make even bigger 
uh, misjudgments or miscalculations or just bigger moral mistakes, not mistakes, like wrongdoings, like doing wrong things. That's another kind of funny thing about, you know, the difference between like today, um, you know, people today compared to people in the past is like, you know, whenever we make, you know, these sort of gross moral errors, right. We mess up, like we always kind of couch it in, in, in sort of terms where it doesn't seem that bad. Like, Oh, well I misjudged. I had a miscalculation, right? Like, no, you did something wrong. Right, like I, what is that, that that general that committed a Petraeus? Right, is that who who was? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. And like you know, basically had this affair, and like he kind of compromised, you know, possibly compromised, you know, state secrets, which isn't good. And he gets up, and you know, he, you know, it's like, well, I had a miscalculation. Like, I mean, it was just you know of my judgment, and, and I was like, no, you, you should have. Like, if you that was if you were like an ancient Roman guy, you would say, I I was wrong, and it's, it's shameful what I did, and um, I'm I'm sorry. But now it's like we made. Uh, misjudgments and miscalculations with our our moral choices. Just kind of interesting, right? It's funny the language, like, oh, I made a misjudgment. You know, it's funny because this is also related to um, uh, yoga. Like, people don't realize that that the uh, physical yoga, which is what every uh, yoga studio teaches, is just one one eighth of what yoga is. And a big part of what uh, yoga is is this idea that 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 you call manliness, they call, uh, and it's a Sanskrit term, they call the niyamas, which is basically, you know, keeping yourself clean, being extremely honest to the point of, like, don't steal the paper clips at the office. Like, this is real yoga, and it starts with that. It doesn't start with the physical poses. So I found that it was interesting, that, that intersection. But integrity, um, you know, even, like, you know, flirtation, like, you see this in, in marriages, like, you know, people say, oh, I was just flirting. It wasn't a big deal. But flirtation could lead to the next thing. And so you always have to yeah. be, you know, you always have to be strict with yourself you, to some you extent. Have, you have to be on guard. We wrote about, uh, you know, having, you know, affair proofing your marriage uh, a long time ago. How do you, and, how do you affair proof your marriage? Well, what kind of you're talking about this one, one advice we gave was, um, you know, be careful with opposite sex relationships. If you're heterosexual, right. Um, because you have a lot of people like, oh yeah, I can have, you know, my opposite sex best friend, which, you know, I don't, I don't doubt the, the sincerity. Like they, they, are, they might be like the best friends. It's platonic. Um, but you never know what could happen, what could shift that platonic relationship into something more romantic or intimate or sexual. Uh, cause I, 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 I can count, I, I know several people who have, you know, they, they had, you know, an opposite sex friend and like, you know, the the spouse was okay with it like that's fine yeah you know they're they're great and they ended up having an affair with that person and this is both like men and women right it's not just like guys are doing this like it's men and women who right. are doing this um because like you know you never like there's always that you know you never know like things could get rocky with your marriage right there's like you have that you know an argument or there's some kind of you know low period in your marriage and you turn to your best friend who happens to be a, a woman and you know you go and you cry on her shoulder and then you know before you know it you didn't know what happened like your clothes are off and you're rolling around in bed and like people really underestimate like their emotions. And so those, those animal animalistic, um, drives that are within us. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's like my wife and I, like, we're pretty, we're pretty, uh, strict about like having, you know, if like, I, if I'm going to have an opposite sex friend, I'm gonna have like, like, I try to bring my, I'll bring my wife along, you know, sometimes, right. If that, that that's appropriate. So that's one thing like you, and some people will be like, Oh, you know, you know, gas, like that's, that's silly and barbaric. And like, you know, just old fashioned, but you know, like I'd rather be safe than sorry. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's very important. I think that's a good way to be because ultimately your 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 wife's your partner in so many ways, and she's going to be the one uh, taking care of you when you're 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 sick and and older. So it's good she'll to be, she'll establish be this trust butt. now. She'll be wiping your butt when you can't get up. Yeah, exactly. So so all that flirtation from way back, uh, you you don't want to <laughs> ruin that wiping the butt part. <laughs> so so um, and again. I find your site to be just like this l constant list of advice. So, so like you talk about, um, um, you know, how to make an impression or know how to follow up after meeting someone in person. So just real quickly, what's your, your tips on following up with someone after meeting them? Well, actually I didn't write that article. It was John, a contributing writer named John Coricon who wrote that. And, uh, he's like, he, the he was the one he used to work in the Clinton white house. Then he yeah. was the, uh, the governor of California. Yeah. I mean, he's like the networker extraordinaire. Like this guy, I'm impressed with how well he, he's always networking. Right. And he's really good. And it's not like he does it in a way where it's not like you don't feel icky about it. Cause like, there's some people who like, you know, they go to these conferences about entrepreneurship and like, you know, they hear this speech, you need a network and like, you need to do this. And like, they start doing it and it just like, it, it's, they do it very poorly. Um, and you're just so like, it's, what have you learned from him about networking? Like what surprised you? Well, I think that the, the biggest thing is, is just be useful to the person you're reaching out to, right? Like he never, like, he always comes to me with something that's useful for me. He's like, Hey, Brett, I got this idea or here's this person or here's this post or, you know, I, I want to help you. Like what? What's the specific? Well, like, I mean, he's like, well, the way I met him, he like, he had an article for me. Right. Where he's like, I have this article I want to write for you. And I, it's awesome. Here it's all set for you. It's got all the images. And yeah. And it was like, it was awesome. Like it was all set. And um, so that's been a great thing. Like he's made, made introductions to um, great people for me um, that I otherwise probably wouldn't meet. Um, so I think, who did I, did he? Yeah. Manish Seti. Uh, John Coricon introduced me to Manish, who's doing Manish that. is great. I know Manish he's, very well. He's doing it's the funny. Pavlock thing, right? Where yeah. Um, it, well, well it, it, you put it around um, your, it, it like shocks you if you don't uh, go along with a habit. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. It's right. Yeah. And I got to, uh, I got to shock him uh, okay. once. It was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that was an introduction. Like I probably wouldn't have gotten um, if it weren't for John and we've, you know, Manish is going to reach out and we're going to do a podcast together and he's you know going to write a guest post for me about habits and I'm stoked about that. So That's cool. He's a great guy. And and have you met Ramit, his brother? I haven't met Ramit uh, yet, but I, I I read his stuff and uh, he's a funny guy as well. He's he's going to be on the podcast in a few weeks. He's a very good guy. Well, they both uh, of them do a really great job of like using psychology to improve your life in all sorts of ways. So yeah, that's really... their their BJ Fogg Stanford yeah, uh, yeah. background. So um so 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 far you have the site. You sell stuff from the store. You have a couple of books out there. You've been building this business. Is this what you're going to continue doing? Uh, yeah. I mean, this is this is the what we're going to do for as long as we can do it, and uh, because I enjoy it. I, I and, and like people always like, are you going to run out of ideas and stuff? Like the problem is, like I don't have enough time to cover all the topics that I want to hit. Um, so I mean, I have material. I have like this big giant Evernote file of all these topics I want to hit. Um soon or just you, in the future do you write every day i write every day i try to write every day because if I, I feel like if you don't like you and you have that long break you're really rusty when you get back to it um I, so i, I try to, like, that. Doesn't have to i don't have to be like massive like i don't have to write an entire blog post but i try to write something i i agree with that i, I feel like 
if I miss two days, I can literally sense I can't put words, I can't connect the words in the same way anymore. Yeah. And I have to get back into it. Wasn't it like some quote by some like master piano player was like, you know, if you miss one day of practice, you know, you'll notice you miss two, um, your partner will notice you miss three, your audience will notice or something like that. Um, so I think it's the same sort of thing with, uh, writing as well. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point though, you could probably consider, uh, selling the business to like, you know, I don't know, a Buzzfeed or whoever, like some kind of content company. Have you considered, uh, have you had offers? Have you considered selling the business? Yeah, we've had offers. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I don't want to sell it because here's the thing. I feel like I've spent all this time and money and sweat and blood and, building up this brand, right? Or if you want, whatever you want to call it, this thing. I hate how everyone just throws around brand nowadays. It's one of my pet peeves, but I did it just now. Sorry about that. Um, but this thing, right? Where people like feel like they, they're invested in it. I mean, I, like I said, I, I get, you know, thank you letters where people are saying like, your website changed my life. Or like, you know, I was in a bad place and then I stumbled upon your blog on some stupid article about pooping like a samurai. But then I started digging deeper and you had like all this great content that really helped me. And my biggest fear of like selling it to a large media entity is that their primary concern is the bottom line, right? Is revenue. Um, so I'm afraid if I sold it, like what they would do, like, you know, to the site and to the content, to the messaging. Um, so, you know, I, I, would, I feel uh, like that's, I feel like that's not a great answer because okay. obviously if someone offered enough money, you would, you would take it. What could they possibly do to the site that would, that would mess it up? Well, they would start just publishing content that, you know, sort of like the BuzzFeed stuff, right? That's what I'm afraid of. Like they would turn it into sort of like the, 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 the ma men's magazine that I didn't want to have, right? Like they start posting up pictures of beautiful half-naked women and like we need, we need to do sex tapes because – or not sex tapes, like sex tips because those are page views generators. Um, so that's like that's, – that's my fears. Like if, if I sold the site, um, they would start wanting to put that sort of content on there. And, um, all right. So, so good. So you're going to build this up. Final thing. Let's say, um, a woman and I want to find out how men think, how can I use your site for that? Um, like reading the comments helps, uh, for sure. And then like read their content about masculinity itself, right? Manliness itself. We have a few, we did a whole what do, series. What do you think is the most important thing a woman should know about a man that a woman probably doesn't know? That a woman probably doesn't know? Yeah. A woman probably doesn't know. I would say, yeah, a woman, what does it not, what does not, what don't women know about men? Well, I mean, here's like one thing, and they have research to back this up, is that men are um, very, I don't sensitive or attuned to status. Like we all know that, like men are hierarchical, um, right. but men actually respond more uh, adversely to uh, status defeat or status slights um, than women do. You know, there's parts of our brain that fire up. We release more adrenaline and cortisol whenever we experience some sort of status defeat. So that's when we look bad in front of others. Um, so yeah, that whole saying that, you know, men want respect and women want love um, there's some truth to that. Um, there's like some scientific truth to back that up. So like understand that status and how a man, um, feels that other people are perceiving them as that's, that's important. And you can laugh as like, Oh, you know, it's this, you know, sensitive male ego, but you know, that's the thing. That's, that's how we're hardwired. So, uh, 
just keep that in consideration whenever, I don't know, when you're interacting with your men folk. And what should, um, what should men know about women that we might not realize about women? I have no idea. <laughs> Cause I haven't really, I guess I haven't really explored, uh, women. That's like one thing we don't really talk about. Like, I don't know. The art of womanliness. The art of womanliness. Um, I don't know. Like, it, I guess every woman's different, but like I found in my, um, my, my marriage, like my wife says, like, I want you to lead me. Like, I want you to make decisions. Like I want well, you, I feel, I feel like that's what your blog is about though. When you talk about this stuff, like you, I, I sort of think your blog implicitly is saying women would appreciate more if men were to act a little bit more, I don't want to say old fashioned, but like be assertive um, traditional. So yeah. like you say, you know, hold open the door or stand on the street side when walking with a woman. So I, so, so what do you think is the basis for that? Why do you think women would, would want that? Well, I think it's just sort of, I mean, you can say it's evolutionary, right? There's like, you know, that's what everyone like the pickup artist community talks about. Like we're hardwired for this thing, but yeah, I think there's something to it. Like men are seen as, you know, women look to men as sort of protectors and providers and uh, whatnot. And, you know, very masculine attributes is, you know, a man who's assertive and confident and women find that attractive. Like if you, you ask women like what they find attractive, they, they, they don't say like, oh, you know, just a guy just doesn't really have any self-confidence or he hates himself. And, you know, yeah, they, they want like a confident man who can stand up for himself and have the confidence to take risks that uh, can propel his career forward or help their family out. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, and I think the part of the problem is that we've, a lot of men, particularly who were born after the 1950s or whatever, were sort of indoctrinated this thing where it's like, you know, men and women are equal, right? Like, okay, I, I'm not going to disagree with that. Like men, if, if a woman does the same type of work that a man does and whatever, like they should be paid the same, right? When women should have the right to vote, yada, yada. But, um, taken too far, I think a lot of men use that as an excuse to sort of cop out and be like, oh, well. You know, I'll let my wife, you know, I, I don't want to like be the, you know, authoritative patriarch. So I'm not going to make any decision. I'll just let my wife make the decision. Or I'll let my girlfriend make the decision. But like telling you guys, like women don't want to make the decision all the time. So like when you're going on a date, you know, have a plan like, hey, I'd like to ask you, I'd like to take you on a date. Let's go get dinner here. I'll pick you up at seven. How's that sound? You know, I think that's really true. Like, and I'll, I'll give a great example. And this is just from when I was like 18 or 19. So it's an immature example. But I was going out with my very first girlfriend and we went to the, the video rental stores. It was old fashioned. And uh, uh, we were going to pick out a, a video cassette tape for our VCR to watch a movie. And um, I couldn't decide what movie I wanted to see. And she really wanted me to make the decision until yeah. finally she picked up a bunch of videotapes and just threw them at me and like walked out the store. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be decisive and, 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 and take the lead. And, uh, yeah. So whenever you like have that conversation with your girlfriend or your, your wife, where it's like, you know, where do you want to go to eat? We'll never respond with, I don't know. Where do you want to go? Like have an answer, right? Like say something like I, I want to go to get barbecue, you know, and she doesn't want that. She can suggest something else, right? Like she's an, she's an adult. Um, but you know, have the, have the plan, make a decision. You know, it's funny because, um, so Claudia, my wife, she's from Argentina and tango is big in Argentina and she takes, or she took dance lessons and we've taken tango lessons together. And the key thing is you could make the woman a successful dancer 
if the man is just really good at leading. Yeah. And that's the, that's the key to tango really. Yeah. Like ballroom dancing is very, it's a good like metaphor for relationships uh, between the sexes. People always go to that. Yeah. If you want the woman to look good, the man has to, has to take the lead and you come up with this thing that looks fantastic and it feels fantastic. But today I feel like a lot of people, like they're just so confused about like, you know, gender roles and like, you know, okay, I'm the man. I don't want to step on your toes or, you know, woman wants to, you know, I'm an independent woman. And so like, then when they get together for this, you know, metaphorical ballroom dance, like there's a lot of toe stepping and like people going the wrong way and it just feels awkward. And, um, <laughs> it's just an unpleasant experience and you want to get off the dance floor as soon as possible, uh, to end, you know, cause it's just a horrible experience. But like when people, uh, have some, some sort of, you know, like I said, pretty kind of roles and, um, and where the man leads and the woman vol- like it's it's a beautiful thing. So so Brett, this has been great. You've kind of given advice all across the board. Let me ask your advice on one thing here. So sure. if I if I call this podcast Brett McKay and the Art of Manliness, I'm afraid um, only half my audience will click on it. What do you think I should title this podcast? Uh, you know what? I don't think I think people will still click on it. Because here's the thing, I don't know like women for some reason, like they, like they like guy stuff. It's kind of weird. We've always talked about this. Like when I, I know a lot of women who like, who read Esquire, they'll read GQ cause they like the content there, but like guys won't like, I'm, you know, most guys aren't going to sit down and read family circle or Southern living or whatever. It's lady. funny. My, my wife subscribes to Esquire, but I, I don't subscribe to any magazine. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's really like women. I don't know. For some reason are, are drawn to drawn to guy stuff, but guys, not so much to the lady stuff. It's just one of those interesting things. So I, I don't know. Like, I think you could get away with calling it the Brett McKay and the art of manliness because your women readers would be like, okay, what is the art of manliness? And oh. I'm intrigued by this. And what does that mean? All right. You know what? I am going to title it that, and I will report back to you. Wh- Cause I think this is a great podcast. You've given lots of great advice and all about entrepreneurship, other types of advice. And uh, I will report back to you on how it did compared yeah. to uh, other podcasts that I mean, I've you had. Should, you should do like an A-B test. I don't know if that's possible, but that'd be pretty funny. That would be funny. I don't think I can do that, though. Uh, nuts. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe on maybe for Stitcher, we'll do like Android. I'll title it one thing. And for iTunes, I'll title it something else. You could try that and then let yeah. me know. Um, all right. Well, Brett. Thanks a lot. This is really great. I'm actually going to see if I can be up for the challenge of submitting uh, an article to your site. I'll I'll try to do a good job and I'll I'll make it easy for you to say yes. And uh, thanks once again. Let me ask you one more final question. Sure. What other podcasts or books should I be listening to and reading? Podcasts and books. You know what? I'm not a big podcast guy. Uh, When I do listen to podcasts, I listen to Freakonomics. Um, Stephen Dubner, yeah. uh, a good friend of mine, and he's uh, he's been on my on my podcast. Just so many great insights from from that one, and then I listen to Marketplace Money um, because I just enjoy sort of the the personal finance stories. Um, and then books, um, I'm actually right now reading a, some two interesting, really great books. Uh, one is called uh, it's a, the biography of John Boyd, and he was a fighter pilot who revolutionized uh, the art of war. He's you know. He served in World War II, Korean War, and Vietnam. And this guy basically just revolutionized war, war fighting. Um, but the principles that he established and the strategies that he established um, are applicable not just to war, but also to business and any other um, arena where there's sort of a 
competition. Um, so really, he's a really interesting character. Highly recommend you um, pick up that book and listen. And then I also, or listen, read it. And I'm right now I'm also reading um, John, a John Wayne biography. Um, oh yeah. The, the latest one. And I got to say, like, I, you know, I grew up watching John Wayne movies. My parents are big John Wayne fans. Um, so I enjoy John Wayne movies. But this is the first time I actually like learned about John Wayne or Duke Morrison. That's his, uh, well, actually his full name, his real name is Marion Morrison, but everyone called him Duke. Um, he's just, he was a cool guy. Like he is a, a really interesting, um, interesting guy. And you can get some, I think you get some insights on business from John Wayne as well, because he had his own production company um, and he had to sort of navigate the studio system that existed in the film industry back in the day. Sort of like um, uh, how Charlie Chaplin did it a few decades earlier. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, yeah. And like John Wayne, he he was very conscious of um, his, um, I guess, image, right? He understood that people looked to him as this paragon of masculinity. And um, he was it was a weight, uh, a burden that he bore. Like, you know, he sometimes felt uncomfortable. But he tried to live up, even in his personal life, um, to that image that was projected on the screen. Um, and it's just interesting to just to learn what I found fascinating, just learning how the film industry was back in the 20s and 30s and 40s, because uh, it's completely different than what it is today. Um, and just um, I, I don't know, I've learned a, I've just been fascinating to read. It's a long one. I mean, I, I've, I'm still not finished with it because um, it keeps going and going, but it's all really, really fascinating and really good. And, and because I, I love comedy, what, what comedians are your favorite comedians? Comedians are my favorite comedians. Man, I mean, I'm putting you on the spot. You're putting me on the spot because this is stuff I don't think about. I mean, I, I like Louis C.K. I like Jerry Seinfeld. I've been to a few of his shows. Really? Uh, yeah. You've actually gone to the shows. I've I gone haven't to gone show. to any of his shows. I've, yeah, when he when he he's, he's come to Tulsa, I've gone to the shows, and they were they were really funny. Um, you know, Chris Rock is always funny, but yeah, I mean, I love watching Louis C.K. because what I love about Louis C.K. is he like gives these like really insightful remarks and comments about just sort of everyday life where you're like yeah man i that's that's not good what we're we, what we do as a society we are a bunch of whiners we need to like suck it up and not be so entitled yeah. he does a great job at that that's great well well brett brett mckay the art of manliness i highly recommend people check out your site every week i actually also recommend Guys in particular should buy your books, but actually everybody should buy your your, your books. Uh, one of them is The Art of Manliness. The other one is um, The 31 Days to, uh, what was the title? The 31 yeah, it's days called heading, heading Out on Your Own, 31 Basic Life Skills in 31 Days. So yeah, this I is for, that. yeah, if you're like 41 years old and you haven't lived in on an apartment by yourself, this is this is the book for you. I, I read it and I was like, oh my God, I'm... I'm I'm a failure as a human being because I should have been doing this at the age of 18 instead of 41. Yeah. So, um, but on, and on that note, thanks very much, Brett. Thanks for appearing on the show. Thank you, James. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Bye. Bye. For more from James, check out the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network at stansberryradio.com and get yourself on the free insiders list today.
At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.